script for today, for this day, is one of the texts in the Gospels that brings us the narrative of the baptism of Jesus. As we look at the baptism of Jesus, be thinking about your own baptism. So I'll start reading in Mark chapter 1 at verse 4. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locust and wild honey. And as an aside, I just want you to be sure and pick up what Mark is putting down right here, is this John the baptizer is, um, is a, as a sort of resurrected Elijah the prophet. Because the Hebrew Bible said that Elijah the prophet would come in advance of the, uh, the Messiah. And here you see John being dressed just like Elijah was in the Old Testament. Verse 7, he, John, proclaimed, the one who is, who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven... You are my son, the beloved with you, I am well pleased. And aside here, you hear the father speaking to the son and perhaps to the people around the son. And the father is speaking words of identification to the son. And the father is using the words of scripture. The words of scripture when he says, you are my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. The Father is quoting from Psalm 2 and Isaiah 42. And we should take note that typically, the typical way, the typical way that the Father still speaks to us is through Scripture. And you hear the Father using Scripture when he says of the Son, you are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. I also want you to notice before I move on that here in just these few verses from verse 9 to, through 11, you see the Spirit descending upon the Son, and you hear the voice of the Father. So when those very nice people who come and knock on your door and they'll tell you there is no Trinity because the word Trinity does not occur in the Bible, make sure they know that you're smart enough to know that the word Trinity does not occur in the Bible. But we see the doctrine of the Trinity throughout all of Scripture. Here is the Spirit descending upon the Son as the Father speaks. Verse 12, and the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. So you see here part of the post-baptismal life and experience of Jesus in the wilderness. That's part of our post-baptismal experience. So my friends, this is the Word of God. Would you pray with me?
God, we're so grateful for this day. We are grateful that we have the health to be together, that you have called us together, and you have called us by name to be in this place of worship this morning. You have designed this divine appointment with each one of us, and we pray, God, that we will walk out of this place changed, being a different person than we were when we walked in. We thank you, God, that here at the beginning of a new year, as the new year is before us as an unopened gift, that we make some decisions today, some commitments today that you can bless. Help us to do the kind of life that you can bless. We pray, God, that we'll have the courage to offer ourselves to you this morning, seeking to be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ, and we pray that your Spirit and your grace and the gifts of your Spirit will so abound in each one of us that we can live as the people of Jesus in this world. Speak to us. Speak to us through your Word. Give us ears to hear what you're saying to us this day. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. I hope that you had a wonderful holiday season. The word holiday is not a secular term. The word holiday is a, a term that comes from holy days. I hope that you made your way through those holy days and you found the blessing of God. You found the life of the Spirit. You found those days to be joy-filled and wonder-filled. We've made our way through Advent, that time of preparation. We entered into Christmas. We just finished the 12 days of Christmas. We celebrated Epiphany yesterday. And today, on this Sunday after Epiphany, we celebrate and re we remember the baptism of Jesus. And by remembering the baptism of Jesus, remembering who he is, Hopefully, by remembering the baptism of Jesus, we will remember who we are. We will remember our baptism. In Jesus' baptism, you heard in the text there, the Father and the Spirit declared his identity to the world. He is the well-beloved Son of God. In your baptism, you are declared, uh, you are declared to be to be the, the specially chosen, called, commissioned, and empowered, adopted child of God here in this world. Just as God declared the identity of Jesus here at this baptism, in your baptism, God declared your identity. And we've always needed throughout Christian history to be reminded as to who we are. Because if we don't know who we are, the world around us will try to tell us who we are. We need to be reminded who we are. And our baptism reminds us who we are and whose we are. And particularly in this age where people seem to be enamored with, with what has come to be called identity politics. And people are identifying themselves by what they do. We need to remind ourselves, how does God identify us because again if we don't if we don't let God identify us the world around us will identify us and they will tell us who we are so in your baptism it doesn't matter what age you receive that baptism 
It's an act of God. It's something that God does. It's something that the church declares. In your baptism, God declared you to be chosen, called, commissioned, and empowered to live as a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. You are created in the image of God. You have been recreated in righteousness through the work of Jesus Christ. You have been redeemed from, from not just the penalty of sin. You have been redeemed from the penalty of sin and the very power of sin in your life. And there will come a time when you will be completely freed from even the presence of sin itself in eternity. You are spirit-filled. Your baptism declares that. You are an overcomer in life because of that spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is alive in you. There's even a verse in Deuteronomy 28 that I've appreciated over the years. There's a verse in Deuteronomy that says, as the people of God in this world, you are the head and not the tail. I only hear that usually in black churches. But you need to hear it. You're the head and not the tail. Some of you got out of bed this morning thinking you're the tail. That's the nice word. But you're the head and not the tail. You need to allow God to tell you who you are because if you don't listen to God, the world around you, your parents, your siblings, your circumstances, everybody else will step into the void and try to tell you who you are. Your baptism is when it was declared to the world who you are and whose you are we we should live as these called and chosen and commissioned and empowered people from God we need to live in ways that 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 God wants us to live but if we're letting other people tell us who we are we're probably letting other people tell us how we live and we let some of these other labels that are placed upon us determine the way we live. So we're looking for a few weeks at a topic in a sermon series entitled The Lies We Believe. The Lies We Believe. And the human nature being such as it is, we usually believe those lies more than we believe the truth of God. Sometimes it's easier to believe the lies that the world and the people around us tell us than it is to believe what God tells us because of God's amazing, remarkable grace. So for a few weeks, Clark and I are doing a sermon series that we've entitled The Lies We Believe. And the dangerous thing about these lies that we believe is that frequently we don't even understand, we don't even know that our life is being driven by these lies. Sometimes we hold on to these lies desperately. We hold on to these lies, and they soon become what the New Testament calls mental strongholds, and they determine our living. We need to make sure that we know the difference between some of the lies that we have been fed and the truth of God, particularly in regards to who we are and what this world around us is about. So we're going to be talking for the next several weeks on the lies that we believe, because spiritual growth comes when you trade those lies, you trade those lies for the truth of God. One of my life verses is found at the beginning of chapter 12 of Romans, and in 12.2, you hear the apostle say, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Did you catch that? 
be transformed. How are you to be transformed? How are we to be transformed? By the renewal of your mind. We've got to fight the battle in our mind. And the way we, the way we think will determine how we live. You can't go about it the other way. You can't focus on behavior and hope that changes your thinking. You have to focus on the thinking. The battles we fight in this life are predominantly battles that we fight in our mind, not in the atmosphere around us. Paul says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. By what? By the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So spiritual growth comes from ongoing renewal, the renewal of the mind. We've got to... We've got to learn to think straight. We don't come into this world wired to think correctly. We are influenced by the people around us and the culture around us. And sometimes culture can influence us in good ways. Most of the time, culture influences us in, in, in difficult, painful, and not helpful ways. That's why Paul says, do not be conformed to this world that we seem to love so much, but be transformed by the renewal of the minds. We've got to put ourselves in those places where God can renew our minds. We've got to do those things where God can renew our minds. And we're on a journey, but we have to know the, the direction, the trajectory, the focus of the journey. The Bible teaches us what it is that God wants out of us. The Bible teaches us about the great and wondrous promises that are ours in Jesus Christ. But sometimes what our family teaches us or taught us trumps everything the Bible tells us. So we have to rage, wage a battle in our minds. So in the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about some of these lies such as, and think about yourself and begin to ask yourself, do I place any of these lies at the center of who I am? Do I allow these lies, lies to determine what I do? Lies, lies about ourselves, such as my worth. My worth is determined by how I perform. My main task in life is to make everyone happy. I must have everyone's love and approval. I must please everyone. Now, I don't want to see a show of hands, but I, I, I suspect there are a lot of people pleasers in this room. I know that's something I struggle with from day to day to day. You know, the good days are those days where God wants something from me and everybody around me wants the same thing. But those are rare days. Sometimes I have to displease some of the people in my life to please what the Father wants out of me. But that's a lie that a lot of us have inherited that says, I must please everyone. Some more lies that we believe. If you criticize me or disagree with me, I, I must be a bad person. Another lie, other people must meet my emotional needs. And that is a terrible lie. Our, the only one that can meet our emotional needs is God. Now, the people in our life can help us to thrive. The people in our life can bless us, but we cannot depend upon other human beings to meet our emotional needs. 
God is the one who meets our emotional needs. It's that relationship with God that meets our emotional needs. We can't put that kind of pressure on any human being around us. Another lie, people who hurt me must earn my forgiveness. You know, when Jesus was on the cross and there were, there were the Roman soldiers and there were some of the Jewish leadership that had placed him on the cross and he said, Father, forgive them. None of them even knew they were doing anything wrong. They thought they were following the law by executing Jesus. So that is a lie if you think people who hurt me must earn my forgiveness. And there's many other lies that we believe that, that, that determine frequently the, the path of our lives. We, we inherit and we hold on to some lies about life in general. Lies such as, life is meant to be fair. I'm sure my children, when they were being raised, got tired of me saying to them, life's not fair. It was never meant to be fair. Another lie, life is supposed to be easy. I see some adults that still believe that one. Life owes me something. That's a big one in our culture today, a culture of um, entitlement. Life owes me something. You can have it all. That's a lie. You cannot have it all. I shouldn't have to wait for anything I want. Yeah, we're very impatient people. We think we can have it all, and we need to have it by this time next week. And that's a lie that, that propels people, and that's a lie that almost destroys lives and really wears down the people around you if you're living by that lie. And perhaps the last one for today, being happy is the most important thing in my life. Again, my children, number two, after life's not going to be fair, number two that they got tired of hearing me say is God is not as concerned about your happiness as he is your holiness. I can still see them rolling their eyes at me when I said that. But as adults, we should know these sort of truths that will combat these lies. If not, these lies can determine how we live. I remember when I was serving on the west side of Charlotte at Thrift United Methodist Church back in the 1990s. And I'm, I'm young now, but I was really young back then. And I remember running across a book that had just come out. The book is entitled The Lies We Believe. The Lies We Believe by Chris Thurman. I read that book back in the early 1990s, and that book had a huge impact on my life. Common sense in a lot of ways, common Christian sense in a lot of ways, but it had a huge impact on my life. And I'm, I'm so thankful to God that I ran across that book um, when I was much younger. I ran across that book because it has impacted all of my life. The book is so valuable. It, it has recently been re-released in its 30th anniversary edition. It's been revised and re-released in its 30th. 30th anniversary edition. Uh, there's, there's actually a table in the narthex, I'm told, where if you're interested, you can pick one up. Just, you know, if you, if you have it, leave a little donation. But that book has revolutionized people's lives for the last 30 years because we believe lies. And sometimes we don't know that we're building our life upon lies. So the lies we believe by Chris Thurman. January is going to be a 
great, great month for us here at Wesley. We're going to try to start the year right. We're going to try to focus on where it is we need to go, what it is we need to do, who it is we need to become. So we are doing this sermon series on the lies we believe. Clark and I will be doing this for a few weeks. Next Sunday morning... We are blessed and highly favored as a congregation that um, Dr. Chapman will be here. He's going to lead a workshop on Saturday. Uh, most of you, I hope you know about um, Dr. Chapman's famous book. It's been out now, I think, over 25 years, about the five love languages. Every couple I've ever married in my ministry since 25 years ago, I've required them to read that book. It's all about communicating. It's all about how to show love. It's, again, one of the most practical books I know. And it's an amazing book, and we're blessed and highly favored. Dr. Chapman will be here with us next Saturday for a workshop. You can still sign up for that workshop. Go online, sign up for that workshop. 450 of you already have. So I encourage you to sign up for that workshop and it's for both married and singles. It will transform your life as, as if, you, if you want to show love to people and if you would like to receive love from people. This book and the, the teaching of Dr. Chapman will, will help you do that. He'll be here for the workshop next Saturday. He'll be in all of our pulpits. He'll preach in all the worship services next Saturday morning. And it's part of what we're trying to do in January. We're trying to get our heads better placed for the year that is ahead of us. So I, I hope to see a lot of you next weekend. hope to see a lot of you every Sunday as we talk about the lies that we believe. And um, I know that coming out of the month of January, we are going to be freer, more empowered to live the life that Jesus is calling us to live, than we are right now entering into January. You know, Jesus said in John 6, 31, the truth will set you free. Now, Jesus also said in John 14, 6, he is the truth. So we're not talking about what other people may mean by truth. We have a specific definition of truth in the Christian community. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And the truth can set us free. We've got to let go of the lies that we deeply believe if we want to be set free by the truth. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.